It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 839 for the 7th of July, 2023. This week, when you set up an account on a Windows 10 or Windows 11 computer, it can be a Microsoft account or a local account. Some pundits maintain that Microsoft accounts should never be used. I don't like the word never. There are good reasons to use a local account and good reasons to use a Microsoft account. Let's take a look. In short circuits, scammers are finding that artificial intelligence is a marvelous tool they can use to hoodwink victims, but AI can also be used to identify scams. There's an easy way to modify Windows 11 settings, and version 2 of the Windows 11 Fixer adds some options. And 20 years ago, only on the website, scams have been around since the beginning of civilization. And spams existed before the internet was created. 20 years ago, only on the website, looks at attempts to eliminate spam in 2003. Those attempts didn't work. Several advisors on YouTube say that nobody should ever use a Microsoft account as their Windows login account and suggest that anybody who does so is a fool or worse. Well, those admonitions contain concepts that give me pause, everybody and always. These are often indicators of weak logic. I don't like that game and won't play it. Everybody must use Windows. Everybody must use the Mac OS. Everybody must use Linux. It gets even worse with Linux because then there's the claim that everybody must use Ubuntu Linux or Mint or Debian or one of several dozen other variants. Windows users can spout nonsense about using only Windows XP or never upgrading to Windows 11. Some Mac users may make similar claims about Sonoma or Ventura or El Capitan. What if Microsoft DOS is sufficient for your commands? Always, never, everyone, nobody. These all have limited uses in intelligent discussions. So that kind of logic is nonsense because everybody really should use the operating system that they're most comfortable with, the one that works for them. When somebody starts applying absolutes, it's time to stop paying attention to their blather. And yes, I did say everybody there. There are reasons why a local account might be a better choice for you but there are equally compelling reasons why a Microsoft account might be better for you. First, let's sort out what a local account is and what a Microsoft account is. Local accounts have been around since Microsoft added user accounts. I don't recall when accounts were introduced, but it might have been with Windows 95. The administrator account existed previously, and all users ran with administrator privileges. All accounts created on Windows computers prior to Windows 10 were local accounts. Local accounts can use lowercase letters, uppercase letters, numbers, and special characters, such as the exclamation point, dollar sign, pound sign, and ampersand in the username. Can't use the at symbol, though. Local accounts can have a password, but they are not required to have a password. Microsoft accounts were introduced with Windows 10, and Microsoft strongly suggests that users should use one. Those who respond to any Microsoft recommendation by doing the exact opposite are some of the strongest opponents. 
Microsoft usernames must be an email address, and Microsoft recommends an address from Outlook.com, Hotmail.com, Live.com, or MSN.com. If you have one of those addresses, you already have a Microsoft account, and all you have to do is link it with the Microsoft Windows installation. A Microsoft account can also be set up with any email address you already have. A Microsoft account can be used on any combination of Windows 10 or 11 computers, an Xbox console, Skype, Microsoft 365, and in the Microsoft Store. So if you choose a local account, you won't send Microsoft any personal information, and you can create an account that doesn't require a password, which makes logging in faster and easier. Users of local accounts will receive occasional reminders from Microsoft that you really would be better off with a Microsoft account. Well, that can be mildly annoying, but it's easy to simply ignore the nagging if you're sure that a local account really is the right one for you. Microsoft 365 and OneDrive cannot be used with a local account. That alone might be sufficient to convince somebody to switch to a Microsoft account. You can't enable BitBlocker on a computer with a local account, so you need to use some other application if encryption is important to you. And the Windows product key is difficult to recover if you lose it. So what's different with a Microsoft account? When you use a Microsoft account, the same credentials work for all of your Windows devices, OneDrive, and the Microsoft Store. Data from Edge, Mail, Calendar, Microsoft 365, the Microsoft Store, and Skype can be synchronized across all of your Windows devices. Users of Microsoft accounts can use Skype for free, and you get one terabyte of free OneDrive space per user for up to six Microsoft 365 family members. But you do give some personal information to Microsoft when creating a Microsoft account. Microsoft will also know your purchase history of Microsoft products and services, including the Microsoft Store, your browsing history if you use Bing or Cortana, and any files you store using OneDrive will be on Microsoft servers. If Microsoft would suffer a data breach, your username and password could be revealed. And forgetting your password will lock you out of all Microsoft devices, websites, and services until you can prove your identity to Microsoft. So which one is right for you? A local account might be the right choice if you use only one device, privacy is your sole concern, and you don't want to be bothered with a password encryption or other security measures. A Microsoft account might be the right choice for you if you use multiple devices, want to enable security measures, value flexibility in purchasing and installing apps from the Microsoft Store, and if you want to standardize customization across multiple computers. One size does not fit all. What's right for me might not be right for you. Beware anybody who says everyone must or must not do something. But if you want to know what my decision was, I use a Microsoft account. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat.
In short circuits, scammers may see promised riches from exploiting artificial intelligence, but AI also offers hope for new ways to fight back against spam, scams, and phishing. If you're old enough to remember Mad Magazine, or you've read some of the old copies hoarded by your parents or grandparents, this might remind you of Spy vs. Spy, the long-running cartoon feature by Antonio Projias, a Cuban political cartoonist who fled to the United States in 1960. There were two spies, identical in every way, except that one was dressed in black, the other in white. The obvious lesson was that regardless of their suits, both were evil. Occasionally, a female spy, dressed in gray, appeared, and it seemed to me that she was the one that always triumphed when she was present. So artificial intelligence plays the part of the spy in black, spammers and scammers, and the spy in white, the protector. And there, my analysis of both sides being evil breaks down. But we probably shouldn't expect a 100% correlation between the cartoon world and the real world. It is clear that AI can be used to create deep fakes, both visual and text-based. I've seen an image posted by several people who seem to believe that a photo of an Italian mobile library is legitimate, even though there are three clear indications that it is not. You'll find it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. First, it's a hugely tall vehicle. Something that tall would not fit under wires used for traffic signals. Second, if you look closely, there are no tires in the back, and the center of gravity on this thing would be somewhere behind the rear wheels. In other words, it'd tip over. Third, the upper stories of this device are not tall enough for the people who are shown on the street. And fourth, yeah, I, I know I said three, there are no protective rails present to keep people from falling off the upper stories. Beyond silly images such as this that clearly show why they took gullible out of the dictionary, there is the real danger that people will believe carefully crafted AI messages that are total fakes. Attackers are already using AI to create phony phishing messages, according to Abnormal Security. You'll find a link to that report on the TechBiter Worldwide website. One example... Messages that claim to be from Meta for Business say the recipient has posted prohibited content and must now take some specific action. Unlike most of the direct from scammers, the messages have no misspellings, no grammatical errors, and the message includes the user's Facebook name. As a result, even careful users may be tempted to click the link. The primary rule still applies here. Click no link until you confirm that it will take your browser where it claims to. Better still, just ignore the link and go directly to the purported sender's website. Log into your account and verify whether the warning is legitimate. The good news is that AI can be used to identify AI. And except for caution by users, it may be the best way to avoid scams. Don't panic, but be aware. Be very aware. Windows 11 Fixer has been around since December 2021, soon after Windows 11 was released. Version 2 was released recently and includes some additional clever features. It's one of several applications that have been released to give users a way to modify the operating system's characteristics. Two points are important to note. 
First, Windows 11 Fixer doesn't add any features to Windows. Instead, it gathers a large number of options into a single application so that users don't have to search for them in Settings, the Control Panel, and other areas. Some of the changes Windows 11 Fixer can make would require registry edits otherwise. Second, this application should not be confused with WinFixer, a scammy application by Win Software that claimed to repair problems with Windows computers, but only if the user paid for the full version. WinFixer would have been installed without the user's permission or knowledge and then display false warnings about security and performance problems. The developer claimed it was located in Liverpool, England, but the address didn't exist. The company appeared to have been located in Honduras, but claimed to have branches in Poland and Ukraine. The company's web server was in Belize. The Federal Trade Commission tried to shut the scammers down in 2008, and substantial fines were levied against the operators, but not before WinFixer had damaged many computers. Windows 11 Fixer is not WinFixer. It is both legitimate and quite useful. There are four tabs, one that deals with the taskbar, light and dark mode, and the context menu. The second tab adjusts settings for notifications, the clipboard, privacy, security, diagnostics, and permissions. Tab 3 refers to bloatware, and it can be used to remove Windows components you don't use, such as Teams, Microsoft Edge, and Cortana. The fourth lists a few applications you can have the utility install. Windows 11 Fixer 2.0 is a portable app, so you don't have to install it. Just extract the files from the archive. The selectors for the settings usually offer two options, enable and disable most of the time, and no change. If you have version 1 of the Windows 11 Fixer, you will want the version 2 update. If you don't have version 1, you'll probably still want version 2. And you can find it on GitHub. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. The extracted files include a non-functional shortcut that specifies the target as being in your username, OneDrive Desktop. Well, that folder doesn't exist on my computer. The shortcut also specifies a username who is not on my computer. So the solution is simply to delete the shortcut, create a directory wherever you want it to be, and then copy all of the files in the data directory there. My example is a directory on drive C in a directory where I keep some other portable applications. The location itself is unimportant. Some users may prefer to create the directory on the desktop where it's easy to find. If only there was an adjustment that would turn off spams and scams. There isn't. And 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week, looks back at efforts to eliminate spam in 2003. Unsuccessfully. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>